Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. Big episode today. We'll start off on the recruiting end of things. Go for about a half hour on recruiting on the football side, and then Justin Berg will join me for a little bit of basketball conversation as we get into uh, just about July. But first, we've got a big guest to kick the show off with. Uh, Shane Kenny is with me as well, our recruiting analyst, and we are joined by the newest Bearcat commitment, Ben Bryant, the new quarterback in the 2018 class for Cincinnati. And Ben, welcome into the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. Ben, uh, I'll, I'll turn you over to Shane here in a minute, but um, I, I know before you came on your visit, first, congratulations on, uh, on Thank you. committing Thank to Cincinnati. You. I know when you came on your visit, or your, uh, your, your camp, you were looking to work with Coach Denbrock uh, and see what that was like. What was that experience like for you getting to be around him and, and talk some football with him and, and not only do that on the field, but then you were at the cookout as well afterwards having a chance to talk to him then as well? It was it was really nice. I got a I got a really good feel for him um, on the field. He, I, I really like the way he coaches and the way he teaches his quarterbacks. And then we also after we went in the classroom and he he kind of went over his day one install with his quarterbacks and um, I kind of learned like the basic some of the basic plays and uh, uh, their play calling and things they things they do on offense. So I was. And it was it was really nice to see that and see what I'm kind of getting into. You uh you came down here knowing obviously you wanted to impress the coaches and and wanted them to impress you with with your you know time spent with them, but you jammed your thumb doing the shuttle drill the day before that at Indiana's camp. Was that added extra pressure trying to throw through that because it didn't look like it bothered you, but I heard you were you were kind of having to just fling the ball because you didn't have great you know movement in that thumb right right i it was it was really frustrating yeah the day before i i was doing the shuttle the shuttle run and um i went down kind of hard and my thumb kind of bent back and got a little puffed up and stuff so the next day it wasn't as bad as uh it was at the indiana camp but um it was still kind of hard to throw and grip the ball but i was just i I let them know before and i just threw as best as, as best as i could and they didn't I didn't. I don't think I did horrible, but they. I think they. They were happy with how I threw. Well, I will say, uh, if that's what you throw like with a, an injured thumb, Cincinnati fans are going to be very happy because you threw the ball really well. I thought that day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No problem, Shane. I'll let you uh, have at, have at it for a few. So, hey Ben, when you come into Cincinnati, you know some of the attention, you know, from people who didn't follow your recruitment um, as closely, you know, as we did was about Wisconsin and you, and, you know, it's been very well publicized what went down with the Badgers and you, and I'm not going to get into that, but, so I saw in an article from Steve Wilpon, 24-7 Sports National Recruiting Director, about how you have a chip on your shoulder, you know, with everything that went down and all that, you know, with a program like Cincinnati that isn't in the Power Five and doesn't get, you know, very much coverage within its own city, it's easy to see how, you know, you're a good fit and you fit that kind of, you know, underrated type of guy, so... How much do you carry that chip on your shoulder, not just going into your senior season, but in the years to come at Cincinnati? Um, I, I honestly, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not trying to get like, I'm not trying to prove anything really. I'm just trying to do my best and um, go into Cincinnati with a really positive attitude and forget about whatever happened in the past and um, finish out my high school season strong and then uh, carry on to. I'll graduate early and um, go to Cincinnati and hopefully um, 
bring the team back where it, it should be. So that's a little bit of help out, help that's that out. a little bit of breaking news. You're gonna you're gonna graduate early and enroll in, yeah, in January and, and be here for spring practice and everything. Yes, yeah, so, yeah. I've always I was I was planning on doing that at Wisconsin, and um, I still plan on doing that because I, I think it'll give me an edge and because uh, I I, I want to play early and. Um, I already have all my schedule set up next year, so I think that would be a really good opportunity for me. Awesome. Yeah, so um, so something that, you know, now that you're committed, you know, a big part of, you know, uh, the uh, success that uh, the Bearcats have had in the recruiting show comes with, you know, other commits who made their decisions, you know, much early so they could recruit, you know, for their team that they're committed to. You know, guys like Malik Van, Josh Wiley, Blake Brazovich, you know, future teammates of yours. You know, they've done a really good job recruiting locally and then, you know, nationally to get the attention, to get, you know, their vibe across, you know, what Cincinnati's going to be, you know, with guys like them in the fold. So you mentioned to me when you did commit that, you know, you would recruit offer, you know, receiver prospects, you know. So have you gotten busy recruiting yet? Have you put on your recruiting hat? Uh, yes. Uh, Coach um, Gaduli has given me a couple guys to uh, go after, um, I think, one of them was uh, Michi Harris. I, I've, I, texted, I, was, I was texting him the other day, and he, he seems, I think they're in his top group, and I think he's pretty interested. And also, um, they're kind of interested in this kid, uh, this kid named Ishawn Stewart from uh, Bolingbroke High School. He's kind of close to where I live. And um, I, I just, he's, I think he's, they've been showing interest in him, and um, I think he's going to go down to camp, I think, the July 21st. And they just want to see him in person, and I think he would be a really, a really big playmaker to add on the receiver group. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and ask this. You know, what about that? You know, George receiver that a lot of people have a lot of hype around. Is speeds or Sam James? Has there been any contact with you, with him? I have not. He has not followed me back, so I can't <laughs> message him yet. Um, but I think he was, he was one of the names that uh, the coaches gave me to go after. So I'll. I'll as soon as I can, I'll get in contact with him. So speaking of a receiver that you're very familiar with, uh, Cincinnati commit and your fellow Midwest Boom teammate, Jason Jackson, you guys have a lot of chemistry, you know, playing uh, Midwest for, you know, such a long time. And he also played a pretty big role in getting you to Cincinnati, you know, texting you and all that stuff he told me to get you to Cincinnati. So what can fans expect to see with an explosive athlete like Jay Sean and, you know, a quarterback, you know, like you who can absolutely sling the ball down the field? You know, what can they expect to see in the years to come at Cincinnati, you know, at Nipper Stadium? Um, I, just, I just think they can, they'll see really uh, strong, fast, powerful offense that can both throw and run the ball. I think Coach Dunbrock is doing a really good job of um, building up the offense and, Jayshon and I already have a really good connection with our uh, Midwest Boom 7-on-7, and uh, it'll just carry over, and we'll, ge we'll keep getting better and better. And he's a, he's a phenomenal player, and I can't, I can't tell you enough about how good he is. But I think it was a really big steal for Cincinnati. I think it was a little overlooked. But um, he's, uh, he's a phenomenal player, and I'm really excited to throw with him at the next level, as, long as, as well as all the other guys. That's all I got, man. Now, um, I wanted to talk to you about your relationship with Coach Caduli because obviously he was one of the first guys to offer you at Central Michigan. How much of a comfort level was there instantly with all the chaos that happened and everything that was going on in your head that he reached out and he was at a, a bigger program like Cincinnati now? 
did that give you a little bit of peace of mind that, you know, things are going to be okay and I'm going to be all right in this process? Uh, yes, for sure. He was the first one, the first coach that um, came out to see me, see me throw. And um, he's always had, he was, he's always believed in me and always treated me like I'm the number one guy in the country. And I, I really appreciate him. And he's, he's been probably the best recruiter I've ever talked to. And um, it was it was really funny because the like a couple of days before the whole Wisconsin thing happened, he texted me and said, "If anything ever happens, just know that you have a home here." So and then that whole thing happened, and then a day later he texted me and he was like, "All right, let's talk." <laughs> so <laughs> so um, yeah, it, it worked out it worked out for the best, and I'm I'm just so excited to be a Bearcat and. I couldn't be happier where I am. Now, now, did he take you into Nippert Stadium and show that number eight up on the wall? Uh, I did. <laughs> I, my dad, my dad, and I did see that, and there's also many pictures of him down uh, by the locker room. So we, I always joke around with him about that, and he he keeps telling me he'll I'll beat his uh, passing record, but we'll see. He was uh, he was excellent. Don't ever ask him about Ohio State, though. I'm sure he's still got a sour taste in his mouth. He had, he, had, he had four passes into the end zone that were dropped to beat Ohio State his senior year. Oh, my yeah, gosh. It's, uh, it, it's a little bit of a sore spot for Cincinnati fans. <laughs> um, one, one more thing to, to get from you. Um, take us into that cookout. How much of a, a factor was that getting, you know, it, on the field it's such you're trying to perform, you're, you're focused on what you're doing, you know, maybe you're not as uh, dialed in as – and on the personal side of things, what was that like getting to be around not only the coaches but some of the commits and some of the other recruits and just getting a better vibe for all those guys and, and, and what it would be like to be at Cincinnati? How did that help? Uh, I, I liked it a lot. We were playing uh, Cornhole, I think it's called, they call it. Yeah, don't, and, um, don't play Josh Wiley in Cornhole. Oh, yeah, we were, we were, we were partners, and he was, he was really good, but I, I'm really bad, and I was just missing every time. But – um, yeah, it was really good to get around the recruits and also um, some of the, the current players. I talked to some of the um, incoming freshmen who just got there like two weeks before that. And um, it, was, it was really good to see them. And I just asked them a couple questions, and they were really, really cool guys. And I think um, I'll fit in pretty well with all of them. So. And I, I also like, talked to a lot of coaches, and I really liked the um, strength coach, Coach Collins, and he's, he's a He's a really cool guy, and I'm really excited just for all of it. You probably won't like him as much once he gets you in the weight room. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the videos. Uh, um, the other thing about that, you got to spend a lot of time with Coach Fickle. Uh, he's made a huge impression on this town, and really um, he comes off as just a normal guy. You know, he's, it's easy to talk to him. He has, you know, just a calm demeanor about him. What were your interactions with him like, and – Personally, I'm interested in this because you've dealt with a lot of coaches now. Is he kind of unlike any other coach you've ever dealt with? Um, Head coach, yes, at least. actually. Uh, not many. It's not many coaches are willing to go out of their time to talk to recruits on a on a weekly basis. And he he was always texting me and uh, calling me, or I would call him, and. Um, as well as my parents, he would talk to my parents, and he was just a really uh, personal guy who I could, I can talk to pretty easily, and um, I think that helped a lot with 
my decision because I, I he's someone I really want to play for, and um, I'm just I'm really excited to get to know him better and have him as my coach. All right, Ben. Thanks a lot. We appreciate it, and congratulations again on your commitment. I know the entire city of Cincinnati is very excited uh, to have you in this recruiting class, and uh, special things are happening. Go out and get some more uh, some big names for us, and uh, make 2018 the best class Cincinnati's ever had. All right. All right, we'll do. Right. Thank Thanks you. Thanks a lot, Ben. That's uh, Ben Bryant, Cincinnati's new quarterback commitment. And uh, obviously, Shane, he is a, a big piece of the puzzle for what head coach Luke Fickle is looking to do in the 2018 class. They have been working to get a quarterback in the fold. And uh, from what we saw at camp, like I said, and you saw it as well, if that's what that kid throws like with a sore thumb, holy cow. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. Um, every pass was accurate, and you can tell. Um, <clears throat> you could tell that you know he when he throwing it when he's throwing it, the ball was getting there, but you know the spiral wasn't there. But I mean, it was very impressive to see um, him throw with a bruised thumb. Um, that was the first thing that um, you know popped up when we were talking to Coach Dembrock about that. Um, first thing he mentioned, but it. I mean, if we didn't know about it, but if we didn't tell. Yeah, we, we couldn't well, tell, so it was, it was very impressive to watch him throw the ball. So aside from Ben Bryant, obviously, uh, Big Bud, it's been a busy week. How are, how are your tunnel developing? Are you, are you getting a little bit of rest after a busy Monday and Tuesday? Yeah, I got some rest Wednesday. I slept until about 2 o'clock <laughs> in the afternoon, so I think I, I got... Yeah, I got, I got some rest, and then so I'm all ready to go, ready for the next wave. Um, looking at this class, uh, you know, it it felt like for a while that the numbers were low, and then you get four commitments in 22 hours. All of a sudden, they're at 13 commitments. Um, if they go to a full class of 25, there's, you know, realistically only 12 spots left. Um, you look at it, and Spots are filling up kind of quick. I mean, you, you know, from, from what we've learned, they, they would like another cornerback. Um, not sure it's safety. Maybe they look for a, a combo type that can be a corner or a safety uh, with that last spot, but I think probably one spot left in the secondary. Uh, probably two spots on the offensive line. Um, we're thinking two spots on the defensive line. And, well, probably three on the defensive line if you're talking – um, I think at this point we all kind of have in our brain that there's a really good chance Aeneas Hawkins becomes a Bearcat. Uh, and then you're looking at maybe another defensive tackle and a defensive end. Uh, so that Yeah, but yeah, those at the defensive line, those spots have looked, it looks like they're, they have guys that they're going to wait for. You know, the defensive yeah. end looks like it's going to be Madison Norris. They're going to wait for him. The defensive tackle looks like it's going to be Javon Henderson. And then. You know, there's guys like Branson, uh, Dean in the mix, you know, Keaton Upshaw still in the mix. So the defensive line <clears throat> might be one of the most um, crowded, you know, position groups for this class. Yeah, and that's uh, that's a testament to Al Washington. And having been around Al for a little bit, it, it is very evident why kids on the defensive line are attracted to playing uh, for him and with him because he, he is fantastic uh, watching him teach. Uh, he's been putting out some instructional videos on defensive line. Uh, that, that he's leading, um, if you follow him on Twitter, uh, that, that it's really informative stuff. And the guy, it seems like he would just be a blast to play for. So I totally get why there's a logjam of kids that are, you know, showing heavy interest in Cincinnati and getting the chance to come play for him. And you saw it with Boston College. They were number two in the country in sacks last year. 
um, and that was with Al Washington as their defensive line coach. So uh, that that you know that that's going to be a crowded spot. So if you're looking at two more linemen, three on the defensive line, uh, probably one more uh, defensive back. Um, that gets you. Yes. They could probably they'll probably take the two Georgia receivers if they end up committing and Sam James and Justin Jeffrey and, and Jeffrey could project as a defensive back as well. Um, actually, at, at camp they had both of those guys work out at wide receiver and defensive back. So those are two guys. You know, if you take them and and it sounds like Mississippi State is going to be a tough one to beat for James, um, but Cincinnati is also you know heavily up there as well as West Virginia. Um, that's going to be a, a battle, but if you can get those two guys, they've got a little bit of versatility. Um, so you're at six, then, you know, two linebackers, I would guess. Um, that takes you to eight. A running back, that takes yeah. you to nine. A wide receiver or two, that takes you to 10, 11. Uh, and then you're almost... And then there's the possibility that they might add another tight end to go along with Wiley yeah, and line, line option. So I think that's about where the numbers sit. Um, you know, for I know a lot of people, you know, are always curious about where the numbers stand. Um, but you know, you're looking at a, an 84 rating right now. Um, that will definitely jump if Aeneas Hawkins jumps in the fold. Also, if Chris Oates jumps in the fold. Uh, they're 36 nationally, number one in the AAC. And I knew, you know, everybody thought that recruiting was going to be uh, improved under Luke Fickle, but I don't think anybody envisioned that he was going to come in and have the type of success that he's having. Um, you've kind of been an outsider to this. You you didn't jump on board until February following this train. With what you thought of Cincinnati when you took this job, did you think it was going to be this level uh, that you were going to be dealing with on the recruiting end? <laughs> no. No, to be honest, no, I didn't. Um, I didn't think it was going to be this. Um, I thought Cincinnati was going to be one of those programs that, you know, would land, you know, a big-time local prospect to be one or two. Um, in each cycle, but they've come out and they've landed. Um, so far, they already got two or three big-time local guys, and they've been able to expand their reach into Illinois, and that, and that Chicago pipeline could be something to look forward in um, years to come. But it's it's very impressive what Luke Fickle's been doing. But you know, when you when you're around and you're on the campus, you just you feel it. Even during the spring game, you just feel something coming. You know, something different. It's just it's a momentum wave, and I think it, they can go even higher if they have a um, really good season on the field. I think that would bump it up, but something's coming. You can just feel it. And, you know, the, the interesting part for me is obviously in recruiting you miss more than you hit because you're recruiting so many, you know, such a high number of kids that you're trying to get into your program to fill 25 spots. You've got to cast a wide net. You've got to figure out who you're in good with, who you're not in good with, who you've got a chance with. But they're hitting guys at the top of their board regularly. I mean, if you get on the, look, the list, Malik Van was their top target at defensive end. Josh Wiley at tight end. Arquan Bush, uh, from what the people I've talked to, they think this kid is electric and has a chance to be a big-time player here. Um, ben Bryant, obviously their number one target at quarterback uh, at, the, at the time that he committed. Jeremy Cooper, from what we heard, was their number one ta uh, target inside at guard. Um, you know, and, and you go down the list, uh, they, were, they had been on Taj Ward for a long time. Jason Jackson is a guy that they, you know, had heavy interest in for a long time. 24-7 um, doesn't have Darnell Shields uh, rated as high as I, as I think he probably should be, but I, he was their number one target at safety for a long time. So 
it's just a situation where it, 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 you have to be impressed with the fact that they're t they're landing the top guy on their board at, at multiple positions on both sides of the football, and that's not something you know if, unless you're. And I'm not saying they're recruiting like Alabama and Ohio State, but what I'm saying is they're getting the guys that they have prioritized at a really high clip right now. And that's, you know, if you're a, a UC football fan, that has to make you excited for the future. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think you know with Cincinnati, you know, they're not they're not always going to get you know the top guys, but you know you know, in the state, but, you know, with uh, what you said, they're hitting exactly, you know, who they've had to do. You know, Malik Van, the top, you know, defensive end target, you know, that was a guy that, you know, that really got things started. And, you know, now when you start to look at it, you know, there's some top guys, you know, like Hawkins, you know, like Oates, who Cincinnati appears to be the strong favorite for. And I think, you know, if you would have asked a lot of people, you know, um, in February, if, you know, they would have, if um, Cincinnati would have landed, you know, if they – you know, what that shot would have been the favorite with Hawkins or Oates. You know, I don't think anybody would have said, yeah, sure, they, they will be. But well, it's, it's been impressive so far. I can tell you this. If seven months ago you told somebody that Cincinnati was going to land Van Wiley and then potentially Hawkins and Oates, they would have laughed at you. And now two of them are in the fold, and the other two seem like a very good possibility. So um, you, you just have to sit back and appreciate not only what Coach Fickle, but – uh, the staff he has built has done, and I think, you know, when you when you talk to these guys and and have some interactions with them, the staff has played a huge part as well. And that's you know that's another recruiting coup by Luke Fickle because he recruited those guys to come here and coach with him, and he got them to accept the offer and and leave for some of them some big time programs to come here and and coach at Cincinnati, and then you know they kind of the Geno thing. <laughs> They lucked into it a little bit, but it, it's looking like that's going to be an incredible addition to the staff because he's kids seem to respond to him really well. He's he's not that far removed from his playing days, so they have a yeah. you know, a connection to him, and I think it's big. You can take him into Nippert Stadium and look up on the wall and go, that, that that's the guy right there. Yeah, if I'd. Um... I don't know. I think that's a good question. You know that you know because I think Gino might be the best recruiter on the staff. You know with what he was able to do. What was that? I, I mean, that's a that's a crowded room. That's a crowded group. Is that who would you uh, take? I okay, think, you got one. I think I would take Al Washington right now. I think Al Washington is a fair a fair one to say, but I just think you know with Gino, even though I think it was really impressive, even though you know since I didn't end up landing Chase Wolf. When Gino immediately got in there, they were, I mean, he was catching up ground rapidly. You know, they didn't end up landing him, which there's different stuff for why in, back in the beginning of, you know, his whole recruitment. But what Gino was able to do, that really impressed me with what Chase Wolf, with Chase Wolf. And then, you know, what Ben Bryant said, you know, I mean, he must be able to, you know, see the future. You know, he texts him, you know, a few days before the whole Wisconsin ordeal happened. And, you know, bam, it happened. So I, I think Gino would be my pick. I, I think you look at, and especially if Hawkins happens, you look at Van, you look at Hawkins, you look at Basevich. Um, that's a, a pretty strong feather in the cap of Al Washington. But, you know, Gino with the quarterback and Ben Bryan and also with Jay Sean Jackson, um, you know, you, you have to give him a lot of props there as well for helping get the Bearcats into the, uh, a very talent-laden Chicago area. Uh, and I think Coach Denbrock helps out there with his ties recruiting that area while he was at Notre Dame. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's 
the fun thing is, and I think Coach Martinez uh, landing Arquan Bush uh, was obviously big. Uh, you look at Coach Phillips getting Josh Wiley um, at the tight end spot. You know, if you if you go down the list, there's a lot of guys that are that are carrying their weight. Uh, Coach Crook has done a nice job landing Jeremy Cooper and also Colin Whiteside. Um, it, it, it's a it's a tough um, decision to have to make right now on who's been the best recruiter on this staff because it hasn't been one guy dominating the charge. Everybody's been. Or, yeah, you could also go with you could also go with Luke Fickle who seals the deal. Yeah. You so know, you give Joker Phillips some credit on Yanez Rogers, uh, who was rated an 84.99, so basically an 85, um, on a kid that you know just kind of popped up out of nowhere. That he had had an offer for a while, but it wasn't known how serious the interest was. And, and then he pops and uh, gets a, a very high rating. When you watch, uh, you go to his huddle and watch his tape, you can see why he's an electric athlete at 6'2 and about 180 pounds. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, you definitely have to to give a lot of credit to those guys for going out on the recruiting trail and, and being effective and finding their niche and, and being able to quickly sell Cincinnati, um, sell that niche of Cincinnati, which so, for new staff. So for a person like me who's just came in and who's just started to cover Cincinnati for a year, is there a class that has ever been this good no. so to start with? No. no. Okay. So could this be, are we ready to name this, by the end of February, not in early February, could this be the best class? It's trending very strongly in that direction. I mean, generally, you know, you're talking, even when it was really good, um, you know, Brian Kelly, Butch Jones years, you were talking high 40s, low 50s, you know, around that range. Um, and, you know, it, it still could end up, you know, in that 40s range, uh, but I think if you continue adding the type of guys that they've been adding, you're going to hang around at that 84, 85 level rating, um, and that puts you in a strong spot to have a top 40 class. And yeah, I mean, I, I think you very much could could look at you're going to have a you know a top 40 class and the best class in Cincinnati history, and you know the the from dealing with all these kids, it's a lot of good kids. It's a lot of kids that. You know, they, they have a good head on their shoulders. Um, they, they seem to be good academically for the most part, for, you know, from all of them that we know. Um, you know it's, a, it's a situation where they're landing not just quantity, but they're landing quality. Yeah, that's something that's, that goes underrated and most people don't talk about. We just had one of my favorite recruits to talk to and interact with, and Ben Bryan just on, you know, these guys you know, like Hawkins and, you know, like Wiley and like Bazevich are awesome kids and they're really guys that you can enjoy talking to and you can really build a relationship with. So I think that's something that a lot of people don't talk with. You know, they just want to go, you know, about their ratings and all that. Um, but I think it's something that's really cool. Cincinnati's not just landing athletes. They're landing really cool kids who, who get it done in the classroom as well. And that's been, you know, the norm for the program. There's a lot of good kids in the program, and they're adding more good kids to that mix. Uh, the freshmen that I've been around that are on campus and had a chance to talk to a little bit all seem really sharp. So, you know, it's a, it's a very positive momentum around the program in a lot of different aspects. And it's, you know, it's, it, it's pretty cool to look at when you start looking at state rankings, like where players are ranked in the state, and you're seeing, you know, Malik Mann is 11th in Ohio, and Josh Wiley is 15th in Ohio, and, Arquan Bush is 26th, and Ben Bryan is 13th in the state of Illinois, and 
Jeremy Cooper is 28th in the state of Illinois. Those are those are kids that are high up the list. You know, you're you're going in and you're winning big time recruiting battles. And to to get an idea for talent, Yanez Rogers is 117th in the state of and Florida with an 85 rating. <laughs> yeah, Miami was showing him a lot of interest too. They had him camp twice, so and that's just saying. Malik Van at, at a 90.90.02 90. or 90.28 is 11th in Ohio. Well, Rogers we're crossing a, in we're, crossing, we're getting close. We're getting close to crossing the boundary with rankings. That's been a pretty big topic on the board lately. Yeah, well, I mean, they are what they are. I, I don't put a ton of stock into them as long as there's a, you know, as long as there's confidence that the kid can play. I used to put stock into them, but no. You're learning. No. You're yeah, learning. Not, slowly learning, but not anymore. Just remember, Jason Kelsey, no star, walk-on middle linebacker, and now a $50 million all-pro NFL center. So they, they you know, they, they can help. They're good to use as a guide. I know fans love them, but they are far from a be-all, end-all. Um, seen a lot of kids that, you know, the funny part is, most of the kids that have had the high ratings that have come to Cincinnati haven't worked out. And it's been the kids that have been the, the, the chip-on-their-shoulder kids, the kids that have come in and worked and put in the time and put in the effort and, and, and grew their body and really loved playing football. Those are the kids that ended up in the NFL. It wasn't the, the higher-rated kid or the kid at the top of the recruiting class. It was the kid in the middle of the recruiting class that everybody just kind of brushed off, and then that kid becomes a star. So. You never know. It's it, you know, it's a lot different in football than basketball because in basketball, you're pretty much developed physically at 17, 18 years old. You're not getting a lot taller. Now, you know, obviously, when you get to college, you're going to get stronger and your game is going to get better. But a lot of these guys in football, like Josh Wiley, right now is listed at six six two fifteen. There's no way in hell he's going to play at two fifteen. You know, and that's why they sold him on playing the wide receiver slash tight end. You know, split out. He yeah. Says, you know, in about two years, you know, he, he's even admitted himself he can't go out there and line up against Cincinnati's defensive ends. So that's why they want to bring an in-line guy that can bring depth to that position right now. But Wiley's going to grow into that frame. It's just it's going to take a year to. Basevich is 6'4", 215. His body is going to be completely different in the next 12 months. You know, Colin Woodside is 6'5", 265. His body's going okay, to well, how about Madison Norris, who's six four two hundred? They could land him. That's a project, and there's a high upside. Six four two hundred, and is a state track star. Track star. He's he actually uh, was the number one seed uh, in the hundred and ten meter hurdles in Indiana, and then got hurt in practice uh, the week before the state finals. But he was he had the fastest time in the state going into the state finals, um, and that's a kid that's a defensive end at six four two hundred pounds. So. He doesn't look like what a defensive end looks like, but you know no. he would be a speed guy from the outside. So um, it's it's very hard to you know, and I think people forget that at times that you know the ratings are great, but that's based on how the kid looks now. And uh, from everything I've heard from talking to the guys that are here, Brady Collins has done an incredible job with them working on their bodies. Um, I know I, I saw Jalen Miner a bunch. Um, because an op- another thing I don't know that people know, one of the opportunities for players to make some money in the off season is to work the camps, um, so they can come in, work with their position coach or whatever, and be with the linebackers and work camp as many days as you know their schedule will allow, and they get a little bit of money out of that, not much, 
um, but you know they get a, a certain amount each day for working the camp. Jalen Miner was out pretty much every day working the camp, and the dude looks incredible. And you know that's that's a, a testament to what they're doing in the weight room and you know getting getting everybody in the the best physical condition they can. But that kid didn't look like that when he got here. You know he didn't look like that seven months ago. So these kids are all in for a, a big change. Um, and, and we'll see who develops and we'll see who doesn't. But it's always fun to talk about, especially when you've got the type of momentum that Cincinnati has on the recruiting trail right now. Um, so, um, Shane, thanks for coming on. I want to thank a special thanks, not a special thanks to you, a special thanks to Ben Bryant <laughs> for joining us on the podcast. And we didn't even argue today, so I feel unfulfilled. No. Well, I don't think we, – we didn't have Dave on stirring the pot, so that was probably one of the reasons too. Yeah, that's a good point. But Shane, thanks a lot, and uh, we will uh, we'll get back here in a couple weeks, hopefully, with a couple more big commitments and get some kids uh, back in the fold, you know, some more kids in the fold for Cincinnati as they make that push for uh, for 25 in the recruiting class. Uh, so that's going to wrap it up for football recruiting. Shane, once thanks again. We'll talk to you soon, and that's going to lead us into my main man, Justin Berg. Berg, it's been a long time, buddy. How has your summer been? Well, I'm still in one piece. After uh, about 100 days of the landscaping season, I think I might have had about eight days off. So um, it didn't really rain a whole lot and doing side jobs and whatever. This is just the time of year to make as much as you can. So that's been going on. Um, And then I've got uh, in about nine days or ten days, um, there will be a Mrs. Bergie Nights. So that's uh, all that's been on top of all the landscaping stuff. So um, I'm feeling pretty good, though. I'm you, feeling ready for that. You and, poor uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I think, I don't know, though. I mean, if, uh, if everybody remembers the story from last year, um, you know, she urged me and my cousin to watch the second half of the Marshall game when we weren't supposed to, and Bearcats won, and I, that was kind of when I knew. Um, and then I took her to her first Bearcat game ever, and they scored 119, and they, you know, that was the most they scored in my <laughs> life. So I think it was uh, they're, they're that, refined. amongst other things. Yeah, amongst other things, that was uh, those were probably the deciding factors. Yeah, I mean, at least uh, at least you've got like reasons. You 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 developed a uh, a strong foundation on why this is happening. I appreciate that. And if, yeah, if, well, I and, and, yeah. I was going to say that there was a, I, I did it, so there was somebody different last year I was seeing the, the season before and I, you know how much of a disaster that season was. It did not go well, so she had to go. Yeah, so I, yeah it was. I, I think I was thinking it was kind of the same. You know, I had to. That that's that's a correlation for me. So <laughs> <laughs> just so, kidding. So just if there's kidding. any question, ladies and gentlemen, Berg's life revolves around basketball so much about around UC basketball so much, it is the determining factor. And who he picked as a bride. That's that's how ate up Berg is with the Bearcats. And with that said, let's get into some Bearcat basketball. Um, Berg is uh, he. We we had a long conversation yesterday. I went to workouts yesterday. Had a long conversation. Berg took notes, and uh, Berg is going to take over the uh, the hosting portion of this, and I will slide into the uh, co-host role um, because I can't believe that Berg took notes off of our conversation. So <laughs> we got a lot we got a lot to talk about. Uh, the, the main thing that everybody's going to want to get into, there was an NBA scout there yesterday. Berg teased us a little bit on the board. Um, 
at the end of practice that we were all standing around talking and the NBA scout said basically, you know, when you come into the gym, you look at him and think that, you know, he's the guy that you're here to see pointing at Jacob Evans. He said, but at the end of practice, you look at him and he's the guy that, that made the most impact on the floor. And that was Kane Broom. And I know there's a lot of excitement and everybody talks about, you know, the, the guy that sat out is always the best guy. Um, this is a little bit different, though, because, I mean, this kid scored 23 points a game in Division One. Yes, it was at Sacred Heart. Yes, it's a lower level. Um, but he's still got buckets. So um, I want to get into it a little bit because it, it's, not, it's not really an indictment on Jacob Evans. It, it is a little bit, but this is something that, that we kind of knew with Jacob uh, coming in. But it, it is also – a, a bright light on the type of player that Kane is and the way that he changes the identity of what Cincinnati does and then has done um, in the Mick Cronin era. So I'll, uh, I'll hand it over to you, Berg, and you take it wherever you want to take it. Yeah, well, I think there's a couple aspects of, of the Kane Broom factor here. And the one obvious one, of course, is, is how fast he is. So that's, and then as far as, wanting this team to play faster and not walk the ball up so much. Um, that's just not how he plays. And so you figure that the, um, the style will be built around that because yeah. that's just not something that the team has had. Um, and, you know, even going back to Kashmir, you know, he, he was really fast when he got here, but injuries slowed his actual speed as he was going. But so anyway, so this is something that is a long time coming. I know Mick has wanted to play fast. Um, but the other side of it is, is just Kane's ability as a basketball player. It's it's so multifaceted. From what you you know you've told me from observations, I saw a few practices last year. Obviously, everybody saw the red and black game that was there. Um, the kid can get buckets, like you mentioned. He just has a really good feel. Um, he can score in multiple ways. He finishes when there's big guys near the rim and things like that. Um, I, I guess I'd want to know a little bit more about his ability to run the team, his leadership, his passing ability, those types of things. So whatever that, you know, triggers for you to talk about, um, you know, go ahead. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. I, he's definitely a, a good passer. Um, you know, the, it's going to be interesting to see. There's going to be, especially at the beginning of the season, there's going to be some more turnovers <clears throat> that, you know, that, that Troy, because of his style of play, it didn't – it allowed Cincinnati to take great care of the basketball. Um, and I think that was an advantage for them over the past three years that, that they definitely used to win basketball games. Uh, so, you know, you're going you're gonna to have to see some adjustment from McCronin and living with it a little bit because if you play at that rate of speed, one, possessions are going to be up, and because possessions are going to be up, turnovers are going to be up a little bit. Um, that's just something that's, you know, a byproduct. But from what I've seen, and, and I saw it last year, um, the kid knows the best way to describe it. And, and somebody said this yesterday when he's got the ball and he's going full speed at you, you're on ice skates because you don't know. It's, it's a bit unorthodox because it's not something like that you see in drills, like, you know, guys dribbling, you know, doing dribbling drills or doing agility drills it's not something like that. It's just one of those things that a guy that possesses that type of ability has a, a natural 
uh, feel for his body and how to use his shoulders to put the defense on their heels, how to, you know, use the dribble to put pressure on you as you're trying to, to backpedal and defend him. And, and you really do feel like you're on ice skates, I, I would assume, um, you know, trying to figure out where he's going next and how you're going to stay in front of him. And then he uses that when he gets you committed somewhere to either make the pass, go for the basket, or, you know, the ability to bring it back out if it's not there. Um, I think he's gotten quite a bit better at that determining which one of those three to pick um, since I saw him when he got here last year. Uh, but, I mean, it's, it's just a pressure, a constant pressure uh, on the defense. It's, it, it's, it's boxing. It's body blows. You know, just right, constant body blows. And, and, and when you get sped up like that, you're more prone to make mistakes. You're, you're more prone to blow assignments, more prone to be in the wrong spot, trying to anticipate what you're going to do to slow him down. And uh, it, it just gives the offense a different element that they haven't had. Right, so if you're the the opponent and you're trying to come up with a defensive game plan, you, you're already looking at the rest of the roster, and especially the starting lineup, and, and that's four other scoring weapons. And then you're thinking, well, but now we can't really simulate this speed unless we have somebody in practice who is anywhere near as fast as that. Um, then it's going to be very tough. It's going to be even tougher than last year because of the unpredictability, and there's no real one guy to key on. Yeah. Now with Kane... And he mentioned this to me. I, I spoke with him a couple times last year. Real good kid. And like we've said before, he understands the game at, a, at an advanced level. And, and he said that if, if, if there's a guy playing off of him, he dribbles right into their chest. He goes right to him and makes them make a decision. And so that's something that we haven't seen from Cincinnati recently where, um, you know, very ultra-aggressive guard play that uh, says, you know, I'm not going to just settle for just shoot jumpers and things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep attacking no matter what. And it'll be interesting to see how that goes because as defenses adjust, will they draw charges? Will they force them into some you know, travels and, and different things like that? So he he's, seems like he's very aggressive. He goes full speed a lot. Now, will Mick allow him to do that with the turnovers? That remains to be seen. Well, and gonna, how do they find that middle ground? Because it's it, – look, I mean, they're both – it's like going to have to be a push and pull yeah. type of thing because – Mick obviously values the ball. That's that's something that's helped Cincinnati. But the other side of that is, you know, they've had to value the ball a ton because they haven't had as much scoring, and so they had to get as many possessions. Whereas if you have more scoring, it's not as important. Um, obviously, you don't want to turn the ball over more, but if you if you go up three or four turnovers a game, I don't know that it's going to really kill you. In fact, it's it could be the the more aggressive leads to you know better results overall. So it's it's. It's going to be an adjustment for Mick, but it'll also be an adjustment for Kane, right? Because yeah. he, he he's you know hasn't played in a system like this, and um, he kind of could do whatever he wanted when he was at Sacred Heart. Yeah, I mean, I, I think obviously you know you can live with twelve, twelve and a half turnovers a game. If you're at fifteen turnovers a game, you're turning the ball yeah. over too much. I mean, there there is going to be a line in the sand where you're going to have to have some discretion where you're going to have to have some better judgment and let's not force it. Now what I, I mean, the, the bright side of it is, is what I haven't seen so far this summer is I haven't seen him forcing much. Uh, I think in his time here, he's, you know, understood the value that Mick puts on taking care of the basketball. And he's under, you know, starting to understand that I'm not going to be out, able to go out there and, and have a six, seven turnover game. 
And, you know, there, there's going to be some give and take with that. And, and I think Mick can live with some of that. But I, I don't think Mick's going to live with 15 turnovers a game. I don't think there's a chance in hell. It doesn't matter how, how big, you know, how many more possessions that they get, he'll lose his mind. So, right. yeah, you have to balance it some. You have to, you know, find that middle ground between we're getting more possessions, we're getting more scoring opportunities, we're getting guys uh, with either, you know, layups or dunks or, or kickouts for wide open uh, three-point shots. So that's where the balance in that is. I, I think, you know, from what I've seen so far, um, they're going to play it. They're going to press a ton defensively. Um, Keen is very good in that because I don't know if um, did you see the the boxing workout that they were doing? No, it was posted on Twitter. Uh, go back, no. go back through Mike Rayfeld's Twitter, and uh, okay. they were showing doing like the 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 speed hand punching, and Kane's hand speed is incredible, um, and he plays like the old Yukon guards used to, where they play up underneath you. He plays up underneath you to where you're never comfortable putting the basketball in a, in a position where he can take it. He also has great instincts uh, in terms of reading passing lanes and reading, you know, where the offense is wanting to go with the ball, kind of setting you up a little bit and making it look like he's not in position, uh, like baiting like a cornerback does uh, in yeah. football. Uh, he's got a little bit of that to his game as well. So I think, you know, he's, he's going to get quite a few steals um, of both varieties of, of playing on the ball defense and playing off the ball defense. Um, you know, the, the thing is, like, he's not as – he's thin, and, and he, you know, he's gotten up he's, – he's gained 20 or you know, 17, 18 pounds or whatever since he's gotten here, and up, he's up in the 160s. Um, but he's not as short as people think. People think that he's Justin Jennifer, like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, but he, the kid's actually 6' foot, so six foot one in that range. Um, so, he, you know, he, he's, lo he's longer than – um, you think, and he's a little bit taller than you think. Yeah, he, he's, you know, you worry about him in, when league games get physical and him coming down the right, lane. a lot of contact. Taking yeah. a lot of contact, but he's really good with, with positioning his body and, and has great body to control to where he's able to avoid some of that. Um, he'll get blocked, you know, here and there just because of the size difference and somebody will, you know, have an angle on him and, and get his shot or whatever. But um, it, it's – Watching him play is fun because it's 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 speed and it's a little bit of unorthodox. You know, like you know, Kyle's game is very unorthodox. It's a little unorthodox in terms of the way he he does what he does and uh, and is able to create space. And I still think you know the biggest thing for him is when they start packing it in. He's going to have to be able to to pull up and hit that 17 footer um, and, and do that with a little bit of confidence and then show. You know he can he can distribute and get guys the ball in position to score as well. Right. So, a couple other things on Kane at, you know, from our conversation yesterday. So I asked you, um, you know, assists wise, what do you think? You said somewhere around four and a half, That's maybe a, or yeah, five four range. Four and a half to five that, range. Right. And then I asked you, um, I said, what do you think? Maybe fourteen a game, twelve, something like that. And what did you say? What did he say? He, he told me that he he's incapable of scoring under fifteen points a game. <laughs> okay. Um, I, yeah. I, but I, I mean, realistically, when you look, I think everybody's going to be in that 12 to 14 point range. You know, I yeah. mean, Kyle's going to score. There's, we know that. Jacob's going to score. Jaron's going to score. Gary is going to, you know, do work and hopefully with his ankle 
uh, being back, getting back to normal and, and giving him a little bit more explosion that he lacked last year, he jumps up into that, you know, 12-point, 13-point range. Um, if you got five guys in that range, you don't need an alpha guy that scores 18, 19. What you're going to have is you're going to have tonight it's this guy's night to score 22. And the next game, because of the matchup, it's that guy's night to score 25. And because right. Jacob got hot in this game, it's hit, you know. So it, 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 it's going to be a balance, and I think it's very interesting um, the way that it gets spread out. But make no mistake, Kane's going to have the ball in his hands a hell of a lot. So he's, right. he's going to be in position to put points on the board. Yeah, and we saw we started to see in the tournament last year, the NCAA tournament, that five guys on the floor who are all dangerous just figure out what the best matchup is and exploit it. If teams are going to play man-to-man, that is. And then you look at the, the shooting ability of most of the, the guys on the team, even the bigs, yeah. um, some of them. I mean, you, you know, teams I don't know that you'd want to zone either. So, it, it, again, the unpredictability, um, you know, tough, tough uh, defensive game plans um, for opposing coaches to try to come up with. And um, so let's, let's go to the, kind of another little wrinkle. Um, Justin Jennifer, Jr., um, you know, he's – He's been here a little bit longer than Kane, and um, you know he's been in the system longer. He he made some big improvements last year, and and shooting the ball for sure, taking care of the ball. Um, now, uh, Justin and Kane together on the floor. Um, think, how does that play in your head? Some. I think you'll see it some, especially if they're going to go a lot of full court pressure. You know, I think where where having those two on the floor gets you a little bit is in the half court when they've got to sit down, and one of them's got to guard a right. six four wing or whatever, but. I mean, if you're in the open court and you've got the quickness that, that those two have, I mean, you can be really disruptive with the press. And then their their height isn't as much of a mismatch because now opposing teams aren't getting into their offense until 17 or 18 seconds. So they're not in a position to really pick you apart and get exactly what they want. Um, you know, like I said, body, blow, body blows, you're, you're, you're speeding them up. You're getting them a little bit out of their comfort zone. You're not allowing them to do exactly, you know, what they're comfortable doing. Um, so I, I think there's a decent chance you'll see those two on the floor some. Uh, you know, the problem with that is you've got Jacob Evans, you've got Jaron Cumberland. Uh, I've been I've been really impressed with what I've seen so far from Trevor Moore. Um, and then you've got Keith Williams coming in. <laughs> so you're gonna good segue. Good segue. I just had I have depth on the wing. Trevor slash Keith, so you, you you just read my mind. I was going right to it. Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to say that or ask you about um, you know you mentioned um, you know we don't I don't know if we need to get into Jacob too much. I mean obviously he's going to be fine. He's just he doesn't have that he's um, not an alpha. Yeah. He's, not, he's not an he's alpha, not a killer. which is right at least not at this point. And Cumberland, you said maybe is a little bit closer to that, but um, you yeah. know he's going to get more time. I mean he's he's he should step in and and really be you know, take on a huge role this year. Absolutely. Um, have you seen any differences from him at all, maybe body-wise? I know it's only been a couple um, months, a few months. He's, he's, he's reshaping. I mean, he's not weight-wise. That kid, like, you couldn't get him down to 210 pounds if you wanted to. Like, you could starve him, and I don't think he would get down. That's just He's just got that kind of frame. He's, he's built that way. Um but, you know, I think that they're, they're reshaping a little bit. They're kind of, you know, trying to, to put the weight where it needs to be. Um, it, he has shot the ball incredibly well. Um, you know, they do a, a two-minute drill where they shoot 
three-pointers for two minutes. And um, the, the best guy I've seen uh, since Mick has been here at the, the two-minute drill was, was Farad Cobb. And would regularly, he would regularly hit 50 in two minutes, which it's a lot, you know, that, that's a lot. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 50 made threes in 120 seconds, basically. Um, Jaron, last, the, not, not yesterday, but the last one I was at, hit 49. Man. So he's really shooting with confidence. And if he gets an open look, you know, when they're playing in transition, if he gets an open look on the wing, uh, he's burying it right now. So if he can, if he can up that with his ability to attack and with his natural feel for, for playing closeouts and, and how to use his body and aggressiveness to get points on the board, I mean, they're, they're going to be a bitch on the wing to, to try. I, I don't I, – and you know, not to call anybody out, but on the on the, you know, I think it's just a, a lot of people have said that you know, they, they, a little bit of a comparison to SK, and I, and I just, I mean, I think Jaron at least at this point is is far superior in a lot of areas. Plus, he's bigger and stronger. Um, you know, the mental side is really where it's going to be decided. Um, you know, that that's what really got SK to the league, Sean Kilpatrick. But, but yeah, Cumberland um, stepping in now, and then at that same spot. We've got, you just started to mention Trevor Moore, who is here and has been participating, and then Keith Williams. So let's start with Trevor Moore from what you've seen. Um, the funny thing is, Trevor, because he's, you know, he's adjusting to the weight room, he's adjusting to um, the speed, the different speed of the game, the closeouts happening a lot faster on him. Um, he hasn't shot the ball well. Um, you know, he hasn't blown you away with his jump shooting ability yet. Uh, as he adjusts to things. But the thing with Trevor is it, it's what I talked about during the recruiting process when people asked about, you know, can he defend and what's – he's six foot five, 210 pounds. He played quarterback in safety. He was a, a Division One football prospect. Um, the kid has athleticism. He's just not bouncy. He's not a kid that's going to wow you with a 42-inch vertical. But he has lateral quickness. He moves his feet well. He has good hips. Um so he's going to be an effective defender, and, and from the everyone I've talked to, they've been really pleased with how well he's assimilated himself into things. He, he'll go in and rebound. He's got a nice pump fake and, and two-dribble move. Um, he doesn't overdo it on offense. He knows what you know his strengths and weaknesses are, and he plays to those. He, he's got a really high basketball IQ. Um, everybody's been really happy with Trevor uh, and what he's shown, and, and keep in mind, this is a kid that's, 17 he doesn't turn 18 until in a week or two so there's a lot of upside with trevor moore and i think he has a chance to be really good and be you know a lot more than just the the spot shooter that that he's kind of gotten the label uh because of his ability to shoot the basketball which you know he's going to be fine shooting the ball his mechanics are pretty i mean just you've seen him the the kids release the kids form is is in a magazine, you know, that's how you want it to look. That's, that's in an instructional video and you want it to look like that every time. And he looks like that every time. So I'm not worried about his shot. I, I've just been really impressed with how well he's adjusted, um, you know, to the, to the college game so far. Right. And that's, that's how he's going to, I mean, he's not going to get that many minutes unless he defends and rebounds and does other stuff. So Sure, he gets that, and it sounds. And plus, he's a football player, which has always helps. I mean, you, you got to have some level of toughness to play that sport. Yeah, and he'll be a talker, baby. Yeah, that's what he said. He's a talker. I mean, this is a kid that he was 16 years old. He came on his visit and he started talking trash to Troy Payne as soon as he walked in the door. 
let's let you, let's three point shooting contest. You can't beat me. I mean, the kid does not lack for confidence in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> well, that's gonna be a good and bad thing depending on some of the shot his shot selection. But well, but as a three point shooter, you yeah, gotta have that. Like, you, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you, exactly. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Good and bad. You know, he can yeah. he can take some shots you wouldn't want him to take. But yeah, it's, it, overall, that's a good report on him because I. I I didn't know that all that other stuff would exist, and I was, you know, I thought it was suspect as far as his foot speed and stuff. So that's good. Now the the kid who we thought was, you know, who, who obviously grades a better athlete and um, you know maybe a higher ranked recruit was Keith Williams, and um, you know he was the MVP of the Catholic League over there in, in New York City. Was it Brooklyn? Is, it where, is that where he's from? Yeah, he's from Brooklyn. Uh, the, from Brooklyn. Being the the MVP of the New York Catholic League is a big deal, like big big deal. Um, that's a high level of high school basketball. So, uh, and also I heard that he's been, um, at Rucker Park, which is the famous playground in New York City, they have two, um, two leagues. They, they have a high school league and then they have the open division, which is basically all the guys, you know, from the city that are playing professionally in Europe and the NBA guys will stop by from time to time, but it's a grown ass men league. And, um, from what I've heard, Keith has been putting in work, uh, you know, regularly putting up 15, 20-point games, playing against 23, 24, 25, 26-year-olds that, that are playing professional basketball and that played high-level Division One college. So this is a kid that he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's not afraid. Uh, he gets to town on Sunday. I'm really excited to see when they are able to get him on the floor. Uh, I think when you, when you get to five-on-five, five, it's going to be really fun watching those two freshmen go up against Jaron and Jacob. Um, yeah. When they when they split the teams into you know the starters and the second string, because those two guys are gonna you know they're looking to prove themselves. You know Trevor's from in, the inner city in Houston, um, and and Keith's from New York City, and those two kids have some of that big sw- city swagger to them that, that they're not gonna back down from those those dudes. They're, they're not gonna give an inch to to Jacob and Jaron because they're you know really, really good players already at the Division One level. They're going to look at it as an opportunity to say, hey, I'm going to prove myself against these guys, and, and I'm going to make stuff happen. And, and I, I, you know, that's something that for the long-term health of the, the wing position, um, there's a lot to be happy about there, without question. So just a, just a thought on, on Keith Williams, because I, I saw him last year. I saw him play down at the uh, AAU Finals. And I mean, I, I, right away I said that guy looks like a Bearcat to me. He just he just had the demeanor, the, the toughness, um, hard nosed defender. I like the way his shot, you know, as far as the rotation and the arc. Um, and then he dunked a few, so that's when I was like, you know, hey coach, we got to get this guy. He dunks, but, um, he dunks a lot. Yeah, and he yeah, and he gets up good. I mean that he's got a little Dwayne Wade. I mean, I hate I know that comparison is ridiculous. I think um, you know, to make you know, a Hall of Famer like that, but I'm just saying there's like a hint of like. Dwayne Wade-ness to him, um, to his game from what I, I can see. And he, he kind of has that swag when he walks. But the question I would have is, um, you know, he, he wasn't hugely um, sought after. Um, and he's, if he's the MVP of that Catholic League, he's got legit size. Um, any reason for that? Is there, is there some, he, you know, kind of, to his game? Or? No, not really. I mean, he does everything well. I think more than anything, he just he got lost in the shuffle on having three higher-rated guys on his AAU team. Um, you know, Isaiah Washington, uh, Sid Wilson, and, and Moses Brown, um, that those guys got all the attention. And I think a lot of times when, when coaches come to these events, they're, they're told, 
you go watch this guy and this guy on that team, and they, they don't spend enough time really scouting and paying attention to what's happening on the floor. Right. Because, I mean, if you go back and look at those numbers from the Under Armour circuit, Keith was second on the team in scoring at like 15.5 points a game. He shot 40% from three. He rebounded the ball well. He, he passed the ball well. He guarded the other team's best scorer uh, many times when, when called, you know, when, when they needed him to. Um, he did everything well. He wasn't ever the star, but he was always good. You know, the, you never walked away from one of those games feeling like, man, he just didn't have it today. And, you know, a lot of that's effort-related, and, and that's a, a testament to who the kid is as a person. But, um, you know, I just it, – it's a little bit different with him because I think he got lost in the shuffle of, of the way things go. Like I said, you know, coaches come into these things with, like, a sheet that says, go watch this game, pay attention to these guys. And, and half the time they're not even paying attention to the guys they're supposed to be paying attention to. You know, like if they're there to see Moses Brown, who's a five-star 2019 big man, you don't have to watch Moses Brown for more than three minutes to figure out the kid's really talented. Like, there's not a lot of evaluation in that. So you're just sitting there and you're talking and talking to your coaching buddies and catching up, and you're not really dialed in uh, on the game. And then, the, you know, the coaching staffs that make a killing are the ones that can cut through the noise a little bit and sit there and, and pay attention to exactly what's happening on the floor and they have the ability to say, you know what, this guy's got, not getting a lot of attention, but watch him play. And the more you watch him play, the better he gets. And that was Keith Williams. The more and more you watched him play, the more you developed an appreciation for what he brought to the floor. Okay. Well, it sounds like a good score for the uh, Bearcat staff getting that kid. But um, so that, that's, he was that's rated, much, yeah. he was He was rated right around the same place that Jacob Evans was. Okay, and, okay. Yeah, I mean, you just figure, yeah, you just figure like, okay, you know, St. John, Seton Hall, whatever. But um, hey, you know what? He's he's going to be a Bearcat. That's all that matters. So that would that's a, that's a pretty good report on the uh, backcourt. It sounds like you got everything you need there. You got speed, shooting, experience. I mean, you got you got a ton there. So when I move over to the front court, um, the, the most intriguing player I think to me is is no nonsense Nasir Brooks because with the, if there's going to be a, a faster pace. He's such a good rim runner and rim protector. Um, and he just he just seems like uh, you know he's ready to make a, a step forward in his yeah. second year. He, he really started to get it going last year, and then he had that little knee tweak, and um, that, that was set him back. Yeah, that was at what end of January or, or early Feb. Yeah. I mean, it was like you know it was right in the heart of the conference season. So um, you know, what, what are you seeing from him this summer, and, and you know how do you see him um, progressing this season? I mean, I definitely think he's a guy that, you know, let's, let's be honest with ourselves, Kyle Washington is not um, going to make the all-defensive team in the AAC this year. I think I'd feel pretty comfortable in saying that. So there are going to be times where you're going to need, especially if you're playing fast and the tempo is up, you need rim protection. And that's going to be where Nazir comes in, rim protection, rebounding. I think he still needs to develop his confidence, you know, more on the offensive end. Um, but that's going to come with, with being on the floor and, and getting some buckets. And, you know, he, he's – from what I know of Nazir, the kid works really hard. Um, he's definitely been putting a lot of work into his offensive game. Uh, yesterday when I got there, uh, it was about a half hour before workouts, and he's over by himself with the manager just working on, you know, catching it 15 feet and, and using a dribble or two and having to pull up a little one-handed hook and – 
and working from the left, working from the right, and, and really trying to develop some of the you know comfortable comfortability uh, with what he wants to do on the offensive end. Um, I definitely think there's a chance to see a, a nice uptick in his minutes, um, the, being a compliment to Kyle, being the defense to Kyle's offense um, when you know the the pace needs that. And you know the one thing we haven't talked about is. If they're going to play at this fast pace, you're going to see minutes come down uh, for, for the starters. Now, Jacob Evans seems to be a little bit different because the kid can play 40 minutes and it doesn't seem like it bothers him, like he ever gets winded at all. Um, you know, he's not going to need a, a lot of rest. But, you know, like with Kyle and Gary, if, there's, if it's a flying up and down the floor game, you want those guys on the floor as much as possible, but you also can't burn them out, you know, in January and December and January and early February. You've got to have them, you know, ready to go when it counts. So you're going to see Nizier. You're going to see Trey Scott. You're going to see Quad. And we don't know what we have from the two new guys. Uh, Mamadou Diara just got to town uh, two days ago. And then and then Elio, uh, Ellie, I'm just going to call him Ellie. I'm not really Nosimi or what I'm. How, so Sammy, I, right? So Sammy? I, I, until I know for sure, okay. we're going to go with Ellie. Um, <laughs> I, I asked Coach Davis during the recruiting process, what's his last name? Said, How do you pronounce that? He said, uh, Ellie. <laughs> <laughs> I just call him Ellie. I'm like, all right, I'll go on with that for now until I can talk to the big fella. Um, but you're going to see, you know, it's likely one of those guys' red shirts, uh, very likely one of those guys' red shirts just because it's two positions and you're going to have seven guys. Um, somebody's going to be in that position where it's going to be smart to not, you know, use a year uh, of eligibility playing, you know, two minutes a game or whatever it's going to amount to once the games, you know, start to matter. Um, but the pace is definitely going to dictate that. Um, I talked to, to Kane a little bit about Nazir, and they were on the red team together last year, so there's some comfort level uh, of those two guys playing together, and he said he loves playing with them because he knows the big fella's going to get up and down the floor, and he's going to make a difference in the in the open court style of play because he can get rim to rim, and not just on offense, but you know if, if the ball starts going the other way defensively, it, it, he can get from one end to the other and, and be a factor uh, protecting the rim on the other end in pretty quick fashion. So uh, I, I look for him to have a nice jump. I, I think he's going to definitely be a very useful piece. Um, as we, you know, start to see this team find its identity and, you know, there's always that transition period, um, you know, finding your identity before it gets tough. Now, they're not going to have a lot of time, and we don't have a lot of time uh, left in this podcast, but it gets real very, very quickly in December. So they're going to have two to three weeks, you know, five, six, seven games to get things together and figured out on how they're going to play with the, when you count the exhibition games. And then, you know, you, you, you're going a three-week three weekend stretch where you're at Xavier, Florida neutral, at UCLA with Mississippi State at home mixed in. It's a lot to Florida. it, brother. Wait, Florida neutral? Yeah, they're playing Florida in a, uh, a neutral event in New Jersey um, to honor 9-11 at the, uh, at the Rock, at the Provincials. I never heard, where, I never heard that. Dude, that. I broke that, like, Six weeks ago, I oh, wrote that in eight. Was it on Twitter? 
No, I put it on the website. The, oh. I, I run see? a website. It's called BearcatJournal.com. Yeah, well, that should tell you the, the, you level, check it out the level of energy <laughs> I've spent landscaping for the last 100 days. That I almost forgot that Bearcat Journal was even a website. Like, it's just, I haven't even looked at Twitter until right now. I'm looking at Ray Felt's page. But, yeah, um, I'm, glad I, I'm glad I haven't sent you any checks lately. <laughs> Wow. So okay, good. So I, I had no idea they were playing Florida. That I'm, uh, that's amazing. Okay. Well, then that's yeah. their schedule is going to be even tougher then, especially when you add Wichita twice. But so Nasir, yeah. so Nasir, uh, he's not going to be scared though. We know that. Uh, no fear, Nasir. No fear, Nasir. So um, we don't really need. I wouldn't say we need to get into Kyle too much. I mean, we know he's uh, he can he can score the ball. He's going to have his you know same defensive issues for the most part. I would imagine. Um, which I know there's going to be a storyline there as far as like will Nasir take his minutes if he, you know, since he's so good defensively. But um, Gary's health, I know you mentioned he's uh, he's not going full go all the way, but he's well, he is. No, he's full go. Yes, okay. He's just not back to a hundred. Like he's not Gary Clark yet uh, because he's he was off his foot for six weeks. Yeah. Um, he had, he had a little procedure to clean up his ankle, which stems back to. Uh, the ankle sprain as a as sophomore going into the AAC tournament. Yeah. And it never – they tried rest and tried to get it ready for last year, and it just never fully responded. Um, he played pretty hurt throughout the entire season last year and told me it was a matter of he was just doing what he could to get on the floor. Um, so that hopefully with him is, is going to be better. Um, hopefully some of his explosion is back. Um, but no, he's, he's, he's on the floor, um, and he's going in workouts. They're just, they're, they're not pushing him real, real hard yet. Um, as they just try to get him back into condition and get him back into, to where he needs to be as he recovers from, uh, from having his ankle worked on. Okay. Well, I'm, you know, man, the, the final year of Gary Clark, I, I, I'm, I'm trying not to even think about it. Um, senior night is is going to be very difficult for me. Um, I, I'm sure I will your guy. get emotional, um, to say the least. Uh, I don't know what, what Bearcat basketball is going to be like without him, so I'm just going to savor this season with him one more year in the red and black. But uh, I guess um, at this point, really, the, the only other thing to talk about is just the other few guys. I, mean, I know you just mentioned uh, Ellie, but uh, Trey Scott and Quad, where are they fit? And then... Mamadou Diara, is he a threat to even jump ahead of those two in the rotation? I mean, I, I'm going to withhold judgment on Mamadou until I, until I get a good look at him. He, uh, he wasn't there yesterday. He was getting a physical, um, so he wasn't in the gym. Um, but hopefully once, you know, I'm sure that they'll probably ease him in a little bit, uh, do some individuals with him. Because you know, generally what they do is they'll do two to three weeks of individuals with guys before they throw them right into, you know, now they're doing team. Um, for those that don't know how it works, you get two hours a week uh, on the court instruction with the coaching staff. Um, the first couple weeks, what they'll do is they'll do three days of individuals, <coughs> excuse me, at like 40-minute sessions. So three 40-minute sessions to get their 120 minutes in, uh, just working on ball handling, um, shooting drills, dribbling drills, you know, passing drills, um, and then. After they get the guys up to speed, then they'll they'll go into full team, uh, which is what they're doing now. Um, so they'll you know they'll probably take it a little bit easy with him, uh, probably Ellie as well. Keith, I think they might just throw him to the wolves, and say here you go. Um, but you know the the two new young big guys, I, okay. I could see that. 
doing some individuals with those guys and getting them used to what college is like and, and getting them used to that life. Um, so I'm going to withhold judgment on exactly what I think on those guys until I see them. Uh, I know they, the staff has been very high on Mamadou for a long time. I really liked what I saw from him uh, when I saw him last summer in July at the uh, Adidas Finals in uh, Spartanburg, South Carolina. Okay. Uh, so Trey and Quad, I mean, Quad, where do they fit? You know, Quad is going to be what he what he's kind of been. He's going to give him some offense off the bench from a big guy. Um, I think he is, you know, I, I think you saw it last year, and, and uh, you'll continue to see it this year. Um, he, he has bought in a lot more than he was in his first two years. You know, there, there could, you know, there's still going to be some, some lapses from time to time because he's just not a, a great athlete, and defensively he's going to, you know, get caught up in things sometimes. But he's going to provide some offense and give you that spark off the bench. And, you know, as we saw last year and even, you know, in his sophomore year, there's going to be one or two games where foul trouble or whatever dictates that, that he's going to see a little bit more time on the floor and he's going to hit some shots and he's going to have a big impact in, in winning some, a couple games, you know. So, and he um, spreads the floor. I mean, you yeah. can, at least you can say that even if he's not hitting them, the scouting report is that he's got a nice shot. So if he's out there, that's more room for the guys to drive to the hole and cut and things like that. Yes. Trey Scott, I mean, right now he's at that point where he's an energy guy. And, and with them wanting to press more, you know, you're, you'll see him up on the ball, pressuring the ball uh, in the in the press. And um, I think, you know, there's definitely a spot for the way that this style of play is. You know, with, with Trey, you, you're waiting and you're wanting the offense to develop. He needs to get more uh, more consistent in his offensive skill set. Um, he's worked hard on his jump shot. Um, getting a little bit more arc on it and being a little bit more consistent from 15 to 17 feet. But, you know, he kind of played as like a wing forward uh, growing up. So he's not, you know, he didn't come in with like what, what Gary had playing back to the basket. Um, he doesn't have a lot of those natural moves um, in the paint around the rim. But if it's the floor's open and it's running up and down, despite what happened uh, at, at whatchamacallit, Oh, UCF. Yeah. Um, he can he can run and jump and dunk. And, God, I tried to block that from my memory. I just, my mood just instantly shifted when I thought of that, that lob missing. Um, yeah, the <laughs> that was a, that was the most basketball God say no type of moment I've yeah. ever seen. Like, they didn't deserve they played, to they win that terrible. one. They terrible. They didn't yeah. deserve to win the game. So, <laughs> it's um, unfortunate he, that it was him, you know, freshman. Right. But he's going to provide energy. He's going to provide a lift in the press. He's he's going to you know give you a lot uh, in terms of effort and hustle and and rebounding and and being able to to get end to end. Um, so there's definitely going to be you know uh, right now I would say you know Quad is kind of that swing guy. Although I think you know I've always said he's I think he's more suited to play the five position than the four. Um, but you can get him some minutes at the four if you need to. And then you know Trey being uh, Gary Clark's primary backup, which uh, if there's a lot of tempo, you know, we've talked about this in the past, Gary Clark at 28 minutes is probably about the same as Gary Clark at 35 minutes. Right. So, you know, maybe you see Gary dip down into that 28, 29-minute range with the tempo up, uh, and you see a little bit more of Trey Scott, and, and hopefully as he continues to get minutes, he continues to progress. Right on. That's it. Yeah. Good stuff. Would you say this is the most loaded Bearcat team you've seen in all your 11, 12 years covering them? Uh, I think it's, it, it's you know, the, the big difference that I've seen so far, I'm not going to jump into that 
that deep water yet. Yes. But the biggest the biggest difference I've seen so far is there's nine returning guys. So there hasn't been a lot of, you know, stopping and starting and teaching and you know, there there's there's been a lot of, hey, get your head out of your ass <laughs> and what what were you thinking there? But there hasn't been a lot of wasted time, you know teaching and, 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 and getting guys to learn the way that, that things are done here, um, which can take up a lot of your summer if, you know, you, if, you're, if you've got only, you know, six or seven guys returning and you're, you're trying to work in a lot of, you know, new guys and you've got a big recruiting class or whatever the case may be, you know, they, they've got a four-person recruiting class, but those guys are going to be able to be taken under the wing of the older guys and shown this is the ropes, this is the way things are done, and they'll be able to um, – assimilate themselves into things a little bit, you know, better without, without having to, to slow progress down. So I think in terms of, of where they are, where things are in, in June, uh, I've been really excited by what I've seen so far because they have the ability to just, you know, it, it, it starts, they stretch, they get going. And, and, you know, there's not a lot of, of standing around and, and teaching and talking. There's a lot of yeah, this is what we're going to do this year. This is how we're going to play this year, um, and and get right to performing at that level. So right, and you don't get excited that much. So when I talked to you yesterday, I mean, I that was such a great report. I was like, wow, you know. This is, so all right, well, good. I mean, good update, um, everyone. You know, thanks for participating in some of my NBA stuff on the board. I appreciate that. I, you know me, I'm a huge NBA fan, and I just want some more Bearcats in the NBA. I'm just trying to, you know. I'm hoping. I'm just hoping for some more. Well, actually, well, actually, Berg, that guy's not going to play in the NBA. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I don't even know why you guys talk about this stuff. <laughs> it's a message board, and it's June. <laughs> no college problem. sports aren't in season right now, so we talk about some things. But I'll be uh, I'll be hitting the road um, the 12th, uh, 13th, I think, is the the start of the open period. I'll be on the road for certain that week and still trying to figure out what the, the play is because the clowns at Adidas, Under Armour, and Nike scheduled their finals for the same week. Uh, they usually were spread out over two weeks, so it gave me two weeks of things to do. Now I've got to squeeze that all into five days, but uh, I'll work something out. I'll work something out. Do. We'll have plenty of coverage on BearcatJournal.com. Berg, thank you, sir. Yes, sir. My grass needs cut. Can you come over? I don't, I don't cut grass. I can build you a wall, uh, though. Can you build me a wall around my six-year-old so she'll stand still for two minutes? Sure. Just got to take right. that footer, put some gravel down. I'll, I'll, lay, the, I'll lay the blocks. Fantastic. <laughs> We're putting Kelsey in a wall in the backyard. <laughs> Love it. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to Ben Bryant, uh, the new quarterback commit for Cincinnati. Thanks to Shane Kenny for helping out with the first half. Thanks to Justin Berg. I know this is a little bit longer than normal, but it's a holiday edition. You were just sitting around in your yard drinking beer anyway. So thanks for listening. We will talk to you soon. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com.